Good morning. I wanted to begin by asking, what are your mornings like? On a scale of 1 to 10, would you rate them as a 10 for the best part of your day? Have you ever heard of the 5 a.m. club? It's an accountability group for those who want to be really productive and want to get stuff done before the world wakes up. I've been in that group. I've also been in the 1 a.m. group and the 3 a.m. group, and Nicole and I have even done it two nights ago, I think. Can my fellow insomniacs and parents and everybody in between relate? I wish my mornings were different. My normal routine consists of me waking up, disappointed at 7 a.m. and not 6 a.m., stumbling in the coffee pot, cycling through my news feed on my phone while I wait for the coffee to brew, and just beginning and launching into the tasks needed to get me out the door to work. Actually, I wish I had the type of personality and the type of discipline to keep up a good routine of prayer every morning. I know that having a good practice of daily prayer would reflect a good, mature heart and spirit. I yearn for the level of trust in God that would compel me to thank him for every moment of every day, to seek him, to help me and my mind work with the priorities he has, to ask him for the needs I have with the right kind of faith, and also to stay away from the things that tempt me to sin, and to openly confess when I've stumbled off the path. I wish I was better at prayer. At a minimum, I wish I took advantage of the prayer resources available to me. You'd think it'd be easy to pick up one of the books of common prayer we have lying around the house. Don't we all struggle with prayer? Don't we all, at times, stop short of communicating with God and with trusting him with the things that matter to us? Here at Emmanuel, we've been talking about prayer these last couple weeks and about the qualities of the God to whom Jesus is instructing his audience to pray to with the Lord's Prayer. Two weeks ago, Will showed us that in Jesus, we can boldly call out to God, our Father, to make him known to us in our midst. Last week, Susan challenged us to pray with longing, with trepidation, and with humility for God's kingdom to come and for his justice to reign on earth as it is in heaven. And this week, we think of God as the one whom Jesus commands us and his followers to ask, give us this day our daily bread. This is the first request in the Lord's Prayer for anything personal, and it's the first request for anything physical. For many of us here today, it can be a stretch to connect God and our daily bread God's over here, and he's powerful, and he's perfect, and complex, and mysterious, and good. And our daily bread is over on this side of our psyche, along with the other mundane tasks of our day. We need to bathe ourselves, feed ourselves, work a job, do our fitness task of the day, take care of our toddler and our aging parents, see our counselor, and the list goes on and on and on. Once the day begins and your feet hit the floor, Life is an all-out, obstacle-course-style survival. It's a sprint, and you've got to ninja warrior yourself out of the zombie escape room that your days become. And maybe you've been dodging bullets, putting out fires, and just holding it together. You've been nonstop from the moment you woke to the moment you hit your sheets, and you've barely taken a breath. 
before it all begins again. You've molded your routine on being bulletproof, and you've trained your body to rev on adrenaline to get the things done. For a few of us here today, it's more natural to make a connection between daily bread and God. He's the one who graciously gives us from his bounty and blesses the work of our hands so we have the bread we need to live each day. God cares for me and for all the details in my life, and we're in a continual conversation all day. It's the first type of person that Jesus is instructing when he's teaching them how to pray. The second type of person is the one Christ hopes for us to be and envisions for us to be when he instructs us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. If we're honest with ourselves, all of us waver to some degree between both personas. While things are running smoothly for us and things are going well in life, it might be hard to even know what our posture is towards our needs. But then, one of the unexpected arrows of life find a chink in our body armor, and we discover that we haven't really let God into our needs. It's as if one day you've been cruising along at work, and your job feels really secure, and then you find out that somebody at a higher pay grade wants to take the company in a different direction, and then thinks someone half your age could do a better job than you. Sometimes, life can feel like we're running a race and we're coming up to a hurdle and we think we've sized it up well enough, but as we come to it and we leap, we trip because we haven't sized it up right. In these moments, which are certain to come, we can ground ourselves in this prayer. Jesus is addressing everyone in his day, and he's addressing all of us here today and saying, life isn't about how hard to kill, bulletproof you can make yourself, or about how smoothly you can coast over life's hurdles without a scratch. Life isn't, at its core, about how you survive with the tools you acquire, or about how you succeed with the resources you saved up. Life isn't about the things, or about getting the things done we make it out to be about the things, don't we? I mean, there are so many things to do every day. There's so many needs we have every moment of every day. Food, water, shelter, clothing, these are the basics that come to mind when we think of what a human being needs. But there are other things that are important and vital too. Everything from emotional health to even a place to park your car after a long day. Jesus is saying, let's take a step back from our daily routines to offer ourselves an opportunity to reset. Let's take a moment to purge ourselves of the tendencies we build up as the pace of life cycles up. Let's strip ourselves of the cares and worries of our lives and choose the antidote to that instinct to hustle to make something happen. Instead, the Savior of the world says to turn to trust. Trust is an active and alert faith that the Father's goodness has gone before you and is already at work. And that when you encounter the struggles that you will face today, the Father's goodness and provision will be right there too. Trust is a rested assurance that the invisible God is present 
and active in the touchable daily world in which we live. And in praying, give us this day our daily bread, Jesus is saying to his hearers, place your trust fully on the Father for everything. Because as we trust the Father for our daily bread, Jesus feeds us and his Holy Spirit communes with us. In general, Jesus was really good at getting people's attention when he wanted it. And here in Matthew 6, one way Jesus gets the crowd's attention is by praying differently than they were accustomed to hearing or seeing models for them. The first half of the Lord's Prayer followed a similar structure to the prayers that were prayed in the Jewish places of worship. There were definite differences in ways that Jesus departed from the common synagogue prayers, and Will and Susan highlighted those differences. However, I believe Jesus intentionally began with a prayer structure that was somewhat familiar to his audience to set them up to suddenly be surprised by the second half of the prayer because of how unfamiliar it was. In verse 11, Jesus pivots from the five lines of worship in the prayer to now five lines of petition. The petitions Jesus voiced in this context weren't common in the ears of the worshiping public. These petitions were bathed in an expectant trust that was new. The Jews of Jesus' day had a lot going against them. They lived under political confusion and oppression. They wanted to be zealous for the God of their ancestors, but they were led to believe that their religious leaders were the only authorized guides they were given to follow. So, Jesus starts this teaching on prayer with what not to do. Matthew records in verse 5 that Jesus called out some of the leaders as hypocrites because they flaunted their piety in a showy way since they fed off of the attention they got. Then Jesus warned his audience in verse 7 to not copy the example of a Gentile's prayer life since their prayers were like shadow boxing or like a cat chasing a flashlight. Yes, they were putting a lot of effort into their religious words, but the only thing they were getting in return was a workout. Also, there's a third set of leaders whom, Jesus should, whom, whom the Jews shouldn't follow, whom I believe Jesus was hinting at when he mentions bread in this prayer. Every Jew within hearing distance of give us this day our daily bread would have had the strong image pop in their head that very moment, manna. Everybody on those hills would have had a mental picture of their Jewish ancestors in the wilderness during the Exodus. And they would have known that this third group of fallible people stumbled through many pitfalls in their relationship with God. And that because of their faults, as much as they were heroes for the Jews, they were also an example of what not to do. And the most powerful opportunity for an object lesson was how they, as a community, handled bread. Most of us are familiar with the story of how God delivered his enslaved people out of Egypt, and then led them on a journey in the desert to a new land that would become their new home. The journey would have taken about a month if God led them on a direct route. However, he used the journey of 40 years to establish and work out their new identity as a freed people and to inaugurate worship of him. He met all of their needs during this journey, 
He caused manna, a type of bread, to fall to the ground six days of the week. They were instructed to only collect what food they could consume that day, and the extra food on the sixth day to cover the seventh day, the holy day of rest. If anything extra was collected outside of those bounds, it would spoil. I imagine if this was the food that God provided for his children, that simple as that food was, probably nutrient-dense and well-suited for life on the road. It also tasted good. Exodus 16 records that it tasted like wafers made with honey. But the people got used to God providing for them every day. They used that familiarity to complain about different things that they wanted. Instead of reveling in the dependable provision of their daily bread and of being grateful for their freedom from pagan oppression, they turned away from worship of God and pursued other fill-in fathers like Will preached about two weeks ago. They wavered in their trust and chose to doubt and challenge that their heavenly Father would still dwell and still abide with them and feed them their daily bread. Ultimately, Israel suffered much from their divergence off the path that God laid out for them. And the memory of that was imprinted in the minds of the Jews for hundreds of years. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, I believe that Jesus is inviting the people to become the new Israel and to live in daily dependence in a way that their forefathers weren't able to do. He's using this point to instruct his followers on the right way to pray for their physical possessions and needs. Instead of being flashy or wordy or ungrateful and suspicious, Jesus tells them to simply petition Father God for the things they needed every day. For some of us here, we live in financial situations similar to how the Jewish people lived in Jesus' time. We work, and we hope that the money we made that day would allow us to put food on the table for dinner that very night. Most of the Jewish people couldn't imagine having enough food to save for tomorrow or the next day or two days from now or even years from now. Many of us here today are just living off of our checking account, if that, and can't imagine having a savings account during this season. I remember growing up in Buena Park, a few years ago, 30 years ago. (laughs) And and, uh, my parents had moments when they were struggling to make ends meet. And they found creative ways to stretch their dollars so that they could provide for us. I know some of us here can relate with that. Others of us here are in positions where we earn more. And we aim to have a certain amount saved up in our savings accounts for emergencies. And still others of us even spread our earnings out into investment portfolios and retirement accounts. We yearn to protect ourselves from the worst of times. And we hope to guard our children from ever having to taste stale bread. We want to be responsible with the resources we have. But we can trust too much in our own ability to earn and save. Whether you're in lean times or you have accounts for a rainy day, we can all spend our energy hustling to get bread our own way. 
Whether we have a lot or a little, we can place our hope for a good day and a good future in ourselves or in our circumstances or in our relationships or in any number of things. We can cripple ourselves in our ability to recognize God's provision in our need. The good news is that Jesus helps us all out. He's speaking to all of us, and he levels the playing field. The prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is for everyone. And Jesus is able and willing and delights to feed us all. In the book of Matthew, before this prayer, Jesus bursts on the scene, teaching the good news of God and performing wild signs and healings to tons of people. After this this huge dramatic intro into who he is and what he's there for, he takes his followers up into the hills to teach them. He uses the authority he's just proven that he has to give everyone there specific key direction on certain issues. He shares the Beatitudes and addresses subjects like divorce and promises and other matters. When Jesus comes to instructing his people on how to pray, he simply and directly prays the Lord's Prayer. And when he instructs the people to ask God for their daily bread, he's just proven in his own ministry that God has a power to provide for them. He himself, Jesus, was sent to be their provision. Later in Matthew, we see Jesus feeding the 5,000, and by the end of the book, we see Jesus giving up his very self for the life of the world so that his church could have new life and so that his spirit could dwell in them. What was true for those sitting in the hills is true for us in the Kiva today. Jesus is establishing God's kingdom, and he's making a new people to inhabit and work in it. He gave them a prayer that will define those people as God's people in him. As we've heard these last two weeks, it's through Jesus that we're able to have the boldness to call God our Father. It's through Jesus that we're able to herald in God's kingdom. And it's through Jesus that we have the faith to ask God, give us this day our daily bread. As we trust the Father for our daily bread, Jesus feeds us and his spirit abides with us. Our pleas for sustenance are not to be empty requests that reach out into the unknown, but they are to be an expression of the delight that we know God cares for us and that he will come through for us. Even against all odds, we can dismantle our bulletproof armor, let go of false substitutions of God, and go to our good Father with open hands. At our service last week, the Eucharist, the liturgy for the Eucharist included this statement before we prayed the Lord's Prayer together. Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. For my flesh is food indeed, and my body is drink indeed. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Through that statement, we affirm together that Jesus yearns to dwell in us and that receiving him as a living bread 
is a key part of his joining with us and of him giving us life. Receiving Jesus as the bread of life changes everything, and not just once, but continuously changes things for the better. In him, we would grow to trust God, our Father, for our daily needs, and Jesus would meet us in our needs, and his Spirit would be near and live in us and be with us in our community. Now, what would, be, what would a morning be like if you were trusting the Father? Imagine a morning in which you first open your eyes to welcoming sunshine. Then you roll out of bed, get down on your knees and pray, thank you, God, for this new day. And then you continue on in worship and love and in submitting everything that comes across your mind to him. Give me, guide me in your truth, empower me to be generous, etc. Yes, you still have the normal things to do in your morning checklist, but first you pray, and then you do the things. I've had those mornings when I'm just swelling over with gratitude when I first wake up and want to give the day over to the Father, when my hopes and questions for the day naturally overflow out of being connected to God in the way Jesus shows us is the way when I can talk about the things I worry about, while at the same time, I'm in total trust. When's the last time you were abiding with Jesus? Can you remember what it feels like to be fed with spiritual food? How about the last time you had blanket trust in God for everything? If it's been even one day without that for you, our prayer minister's would love to walk with you, to ask God for your physical and spiritual appetites to be awakened. And for all of us, as you go about your week, when you feel yourself pressed by your daily needs, practice praying this prayer and allow God to enter into the mundane tasks and details and things of life. Yes, we're of little faith, and we're an anxious generation. But that's how Jesus wants us to approach the Father and to ask for our daily bread. I've been there. I've prayed faithless prayers just because it was the right thing to do. It's when we let his spirit open our eyes and our hearts to fully see himself for who he is and to fully see ourselves for who we are, dependent creatures, that God can fill us. We aren't to come to him with the closed fists of a shadow boxer or hustler. We won't be able to receive his fatherly delight like that. Instead, when we trust our father for our daily bread, Jesus feeds us and his spirit abides with us. God alone can fill our open hands, our open minds, our open hearts. And at this table... He can fill our open spirits. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.